You want your book? Hospitals want bodies. You will feel some of these physical reactions. The bargain's bargain is up. You keep your end of it, and I'll keep mine. I don't know how he died. It's a favor for a favor, Doctor. Members of the audience, including you, will actually play a part in the picture. I tell you, I must have those chemicals. I feel obligated to warn you about the next attraction you will see at this theater. Shock! 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 In all the history of horror pictures, nothing so shocking on the screen. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise at the end of each episode along with our honorary Sleezoids. Uh, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. We decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an honor shout-out in two bonus episodes every single month, which we've been doing for, like, ten months now. Yeah. So there's a lot of episodes back there waiting for you. Check if you haven't made out. the jump, we've talked about, like, 40 films back there now. <laughs> yeah, and some some real awesome movies that... Uh yeah, uh, on the patron exclusive ones that I think you guys would be interested in for sure. Absolutely. And uh, as always, anyone who's listening on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever, uh, oh, yeah. if you guys have been digging the show, feel free to give us a good old rating and review over there. It helps us find new listeners and we appreciate the support. Very much. Those are your plugs for the week. Welcome back to another episode. Two weeks ago would have been the last time Everyone would have heard from us, I believe, and we would have been talking with a guest. Will Sloan came on from the Important Cinema Club here in Canada, uh, both uh, host of the Important Cinema Club and the Michael and Us podcast, and he brought on 1934 The Black Cat, which was starring Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi. Uh, totally blown away by that film. One of the few yeah. 30s horror films that I haven't, I hadn't personally checked out. And, and I was probably pretty, the first one that I have. Maybe, uh, maybe Freaks. Yeah. I did see that first. And but. I was pretty embarrassed not to have seen this one anyway, so I was <laughs> glad that we got around to it. And also one of the best performances I've ever seen from Bela Lugosi. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Uh, and then we paired it with our first horror porn film, <laughs> Widow Blue, 1970. Yeah. Will came and asked with a double hitter, a 1930s classic and a horror porn film, <laughs> yeah. uh, which was much went better. all out on the sleaze. Uh, much better than we both anticipated, because we went into it being like, is this going to be a porn film with horror scenes in it, or is it going to be a yeah. horror film with porn scenes? And it, it is baffling to me how anyone could enjoy that as a porn movie. Yeah. Because no way. eventually the <laughs> sex is just infected by the violence and it's horrifying yeah. to watch. It's just very not something troubling you want to watch. <laughs> but it was quite an experience. <laughs> so if you haven't heard that episode, that was just two weeks ago and it's for free. That was for everyone. Um, but one week ago would have been the last time patrons, you guys would have heard from us and we would have been talking uh, 70s child possession films with a double feature of The Exorcist, 1973, which Jamie and I uh, luckily had the chance to see on a 35 millimeter film print here. Oh, yeah. Um, Fantastic. We very, very much enjoyed uh, that with a full uh, audience, full theater yeah, audience, as well as. People reacting to everything was As just well awesome. as the remastered sound on it as well. Uh, that movie is still terrifying today. Yeah. Um, Holds so up. we got a good conversation out of that, but we also paired it with the uh, very underseen Mario Bava film from 1977, one of the last films, maybe even the last film that he made, yeah. called Shock. 
um, which was just <laughs> uh, a really horrifying uh, film. Yeah. Uh, and as far as child possession films go, it, it, it rivaled The Exorcist and The Omen for me as just a completely sort of psychologically disorienting uh, horror. Yeah. Um, specifically when we get into sort of how Mario Baba uses the house in the finale and the total breakdown of, of this house. And again, we've talked about it like 6 million times, but that shot of the kid who in the background runs up to the foreground of the frame, oh, yeah, the, the camera, because of the way that it's placed, loses the child's head for a half second. And then he appears as the adult demon looking father. Yeah. Uh, like, you guys need to watch this movie because all, all in we've one mentioned take. that scene i think so many times but it's so necessary like it's like that's yeah. one of those movies i think is very underappreciated and one of the scariest under the radar. Uh, shots that i've seen in a film and uh it was the reason we ended up looking i had to find out what is that film <laughs> yeah. and that was why we ended up doing it but it was yeah. a lot of fun to talk both of those films um so if you haven't heard that episode that's on again patreon.com slash thesoids podcast uh that was last week's episode but this week we have a uh, very special guest uh, on with us. He is the uh, author of, hold on, the horror stories called Darkest Hours. Um, and he's also a film critic for all kinds of places like movie and the film stage and vague visages. Um, and he has completed his MA in English literature. And he's also a fellow Canadian. Oh, Two yeah. Canadians in a row. We are having Mike yeah. Bourne on. Mike, how are you doing? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Mike, what two films have you brought with you, and why have you paired them together? I selected Corridors of Blood, uh, directed by Robert Day, and The Tingler, directed by William Castle. And I must admit that I actually didn't anticipate uh, as many connections between the two films as there actually are. I just picked two (laughs) films I really liked from the 1950s. But when I revisited them, I was like, oh, they're both about, like... uh, kind of older horror stars price wasn't as old as Karloff, but, um, who are undergoing some kind of investigation. Um, and it's about the process of investigation and they both involve them doing drugs, although they have very different tones. Um, so yeah, I, there, there were all these kind of like serendipitous connections where I was like, Oh, I I didn't uh, think about that going in. They both definitely like to experiment on themselves with drugs. That is a huge connective tissue between the two films. (laughs) Two scientists get a little passionate about their work. Uh, But this is actually the first time, embarrassingly enough, that I think we've done 50s horror on this show. The earliest I think we did was 1960. We did a little bit of Mario Bava. We did a little bit of Jack Hill with Spider Baby, which I thought actually had a little bit of uh, stylistic connective tissue with this. Both another black and white trying to sort of revisit the more theatrical kind of horror of the 30s. Um, But awesome that you brought these with you, and I think we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to talk The Tingler. I'm William Castle, and I feel obligated to warn you about the next attraction you will see at this theater. The picture is the Tingler, which I directed. And for the first time in motion picture history, members of the audience, including you, will actually play a part in the picture. You will feel some of the physical reactions, the shocking sensations experienced by the actors on the screen. I guarantee that the Tingler has more shocks per minute than my last film, The House on Haunted Hill. Don't be alarmed. You can protect yourself. When you see the picture, you will be told and remember the instruction how you can guard yourself from attack by the tingler. 
And now may I show you a few scenes from The Tingler? All right, we are talking The Tingler, the 1959 American horror film. Uh, a bit of tongue-in-cheek horror, written yeah. di- and directed. Uh, or maybe it wasn't written? It must have been, but it says produced and directed, but regardless, by William Castle. One of um, William Castle's uh, more well-known films, I believe. Right, Mike? Yeah, this is kind of uh, the beginning of the second wave of his career. He had done a lot of films before this and House on Haunted Hill, but this was kind of the beginning of his gimmick era, I suppose you'd call it. Right, so into the 60s and into even a little bit of the early 70s, right? Yeah, I don't know if he went as far as the 70s. I'd have to double check Mm -hmm. on that. But yeah, definitely led up to things like, um, oh gosh, what is the name of the one with Joan Crawford? Straight uh, Jacket. Straight Jacket, yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) When you say uh, gimmick, uh, what do you mean by that? I'm just curious myself. I, well, William, yeah, and you, you might have noticed it a little bit in The Tingler, but sure. maybe not. There's there's a little bit of extra textual stuff that comes along with The Tingler. Like in the beginning and the end, when like he's speaking directly a to the audience? A little bit, but also he's well known for being a bit of sort of like a like a carny, theatrical kind of dude. A lot okay. of people considered him kind of like a bit of a lowbrow guy because he, was, he wanted oh. to do like theater experience 4D kind of things. Is that why he's... He's always referencing to the audience, at least in yes, this film. Okay. Yes, especially because there's one sequence we'll, well get I mean, to. It even affects it, though, narratively it works, which I found was really smart because yeah. like, it works because he's talking about screaming itself, you know, and holding them in to he almost <laughs> wants you to experience his movie, you know, and, and scream and have a good time. So it's almost like the text itself oh, yeah. tells you to do that so that you don't die and i thought that was really creative <laughs> well and, yeah and and there, there's a whole history of him having yes. let having the tingler uh, he would like shake the theater seats and have the tingler oh, be like oh, in the really? audience and stuff oh, and people really? basically look down on him for doing stuff like oh, that's that that's kind of cool but we we talked about it a little bit because it had very much inspired joe dante and okay. john the, the the tone that joe dante takes a little bit with gremlins too yeah very yeah. much inspired by william castle sure, and the tingler yeah. especially the bit okay. where the gremlins infect the projector booth and everything right. like that yeah and also uh joe dante part. did a movie called matinee which is a movie almost about william castle it is yeah it's a film where john goodman plays a filmmaker who is trying kind of trying to simulate the end of the world kind of like a nuclear war apocalypse situation in the theater for people to sort of give you this cathartic reaction to it we talked a little bit on our gremlins 2 uh, our gremlins and gremlins 2 episode we talked about that bit a little bit but it's literally inspired by william castle as a person oh okay that's awesome Uh, and the tingler is considered one of his most gimmick is, is the films. thing where the director comes out to kind of introduce this film? Hitchcock is that, and I was Twilight gonna, Zone I was literally just yeah. going to ask you because <laughs> I thought that was a Hitchcock thing. So when I saw it, I haven't seen enough Hitchcock or enough Castle to know, but I thought maybe he was referencing Hitchcock or, or he was kind of giving an homage or was it just a thing that directors did? Well, and it was also a thing they did a little bit in the Twilight Zone, right, okay. Mike? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's he's definitely riffing explicitly on Hitchcock. Um, okay. It's interesting, too, though, with the, the gimmick for this specific film was called Percepto. And he would actually send these really detailed memos to theaters uh, that were playing the film um, to hook up the, the wiring in seats that would actually buzz and jolt people in the ass. So they were actually <laughs> screaming probably in, probably in physical pain. Um, so so that he actually went very wow. far with this kind of carny element of, of his filmmaking. Um, but, but I like what you said, that it's actually part of the text because the narrative can't function 
without this element of audience engagement. Like it becomes mm-hmm. one and the same in a way that's actually very interesting and kind of complex almost. Yeah. No, ab- absolutely. This this whole sort of meta engagement with the idea of fear yeah. and the idea of how it's sort of staged almost and composed and the way that it's used is really fascinating. It gets really crazy when eventually uh, in the film, because I guess we should maybe get to the premise of the film. Yeah, the whole yeah. idea is that there's this <laughs> creature called the Tingler and it is uh, brought upon people or it's living organism that is sort of born in human bodies based on fear and yeah. that it, it kind of locks up your spine yeah. and it, it squeezes so tightly because you're so terrified that it will, it, it can kill you by right. just shattering it's your not spine. Just, it's not, and it's cool because they, they put it as like, it's not just, just the strength of your mind that the fear is taking over. Yeah. Now it's like this actual physical thing mm-hmm. that's inside you that's controlling the fear. Yeah. It's, it, it's like a force and it like yeah. will shatter your spinal column. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like, like fear is almost, it's, it's tangible. It's solid yeah. as so steel is like, I think that you they have say. to, yeah. Yeah, I thought that and the only way to idea. get rid of it is to scream, right? Um, which is, uh, you know, a, a, a very a way to get the audience engaged. Obviously, is that you want to have them reacting yeah. in horror and screaming. And if people are scared, you I would have loved to see this in theaters absolutely. in the fifties. Like that would have been a lot. I, of fun. I bet you this would have been like. I a wish there were reactions experience. like we saw with uh, <laughs> Halloween. It just would have been fascinating to see if people were like, "Okay, I have to scream. I can't let this tingler get me." <laughs> absolutely, but it stars Vincent Price as uh, Doctor Warren, and uh, or I, I guess Doctor Chapin. Uh, and Vincent Price is, uh, once he discovers this idea that there might be this tingler, it's kind of a phenomenon. He's discovering yeah. it, but he comes, he becomes a little bit obsessed with discovering it to the point where he will sacrifice people in order to get their, uh, get the results. Yeah. Not he, necessarily their lives, but he will, he wants at, to at least recreate the tingler experience so that he can yeah. pull a tingler off someone's spine and, and, and uh, experiment with it, investigate exactly. it, figure it all out. And in um, order to do that, you have to truly terrify somebody in order to have that moment. So exactly. So then it gets really it <laughs> interesting with, uh, <laughs> what people are afraid of there. There's even, uh, a, a movie, one of his friends is a silent movie theater player where they're playing kind of like silent horror films a little bit and stuff like that. So it just, it definitely, this film gets engaged with the idea of what scares audiences Mm -hmm. and what scares kind of just people in general. And it, it gets really, really messy when it gets, we get into how Vincent Price is kind of obsessed with recreating these circumstances for, not only on himself, because we do get a great sequence where he drugs himself and starts kind of going a little crazy <laughs> yeah, where he's like, the windows are nailed in. And he's like, we can watch him like opening the window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's this hilariously placed uh, skeleton hanging out in his laboratory. <laughs> yeah, and he, st- he starts basically picturing that it's real. And I like uh, I like the little effect they have, too. It's kind of like a blurried uh, wavy vision that they have on the film. Oh, yeah. Of, of the skeleton there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, his real job, though, is he he's a pathologist, right? He performs autopsies. That's his thing. Yeah, that's right. Right. Um, and that's what he kind of discovers is that someone who's come to him has died via Tingler, basically. And he wants to prove it. Yeah, pure it, fear. Yeah. Exactly. As, as just a scientist, he wants to do it. So he decides anyway to at first try it on himself to recreate the circumstances of the Tingler, but he screams because most people are just, it's a natural organic part of you, apparently anyway, to Mm -hmm. just 
scream. It's it's funny because I think they talk a little bit about how like do do people really just like scream? Is that like a normal thing that people do? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, I haven't screamed before. I don't think. Maybe maybe in pain at one point when yeah. I was a child. Possibly, possibly, <laughs> but not like the blood curdling scream that's, we're talking uh, yeah, about. Yeah, I think here. that's the difference because I mean, we I think even in the opening shot, you see a a man who looks absolutely petrified. Like the the facial expressions that these people use when they have the close ups of their their pure fear face are just so animated and, and over the top. It's uh, I mean, it's a bit campy and it's a bit there's a bit of humor involved maybe now because we're just looking at a fifties film and. Um, well, and might might William, William Castle also has a little bit of an awareness because, again, yeah, he, he yeah, is yeah, recreating definitely. a classical style right. and doing yeah. it in a way that is tongue-in-cheek and is kind of aware. And So you think some of the humor is intentional? Absolutely. Because okay. Abs- I wasn't sure how to read it. I wasn't totally sure if I was reading it correctly. Okay. You know? I didn't know if the tongue-in-cheek was me viewing it in an ironic no, sense. No, if there's any filmmaker I'm not, we've I'm not talked about on the show that has a sense of humor, it was William Castle. Okay, cool. Again, cool. you don't put, you don't electrocute people's movie theater seats <laughs> yeah. without a yeah, little bit of a sense of bit humor. Bit of a prankster, for sure. Yeah, good point. So the, the film does feel kind of composed from that point of view, but what's interesting is that it doesn't separate itself from the actual horror. This still works as a horror film. Definitely. And because he, he wants to sort of investigate you know, sort of almost how these sort of relatively disarming, charming people recreate something that is horrifying. Um, and it, it really gets crazy when they um, get the sort of the, the deaf and mute wife involved. Yeah. Who seems like just a, she's a germaphobe. She's generally frightened person. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely she, a very nervous person. She, she faints at the sight of blood. Uh, at one point in the film because Vincent Price uh, cuts his hand on a, a broken broken glass. And they basically use her as the eventual test subject to get to the tingler. And right. what because is just... Because mutes can't scream. Yeah, in, in a sequence... <laughs> Which is a really terrifying thing to... That dialogue is actually kind of scary when he says it. He's just like, well, mutes can't scream, so yeah. I'll use her she, she for my experiment. Yeah, she can't let it out. Like, we need the physical reaction so that the tingler, like, yeah. recoils, but she can't create it. Right. <laughs> and the sequence that they create where he drugs her, with, I mean, definitely without her consent, because she thinks yeah. she's, she thinks she, he's well, she giving thinks her... she thinks it's just a sleeping... It's a uh, helpful drug. Yeah. It's not, yeah. like, LSD or whatever it is. What is it? That, what is the drug that they, they end up giving them? It was LSD, actually, and it was the first, I think this is the first time LSD, it it wasn't, I should clarify, it wasn't written by William Castle, it was written by a screenwriter named Rob White, I think. So he had he had tried LSD himself um, at UCLA, and he he wanted to somehow incorporate it into the film. So he has these I wonder if he had a horrifying experience then. (laughs) He must have, yeah. (laughs) And I mean, it's it's hilarious because it, it's not like Vincent Price takes like a tab of acid. He mainlines like a hundred milligrams, or, and <laughs> yeah. he even says like Jesus. recommended dose. I can't do a good Vincent Price, but he says like uh, recommended dose is like fifty milligrams, and he just injects a hundred milligrams. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's pretty outrageous sequence. It's I feel like the uh, William or, or uh, Vincent Price's performance is what makes that scene so entertaining. I mean, it, 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 other than the kind of blurry effect on the skeleton that you mentioned, it's it's a pretty um, straightforward sequence. The way it's shot, it's not all Corman or anything like that. 
Yeah, right. definitely. And I always, I, now this is actually, I think, the first Vincent Price movie that I've watched. Uh, oh, I'm kind of oh, wow. kind of new, as <laughs> we know, to to the, the this ride that we're taking here. So yeah, Jamie Jamie was not a big uh, film history guy before we started yeah. the show. Like I loved film, but I just all these uh, mm. the ones that we've been going through are, are a, mostly ones I haven't seen. A lot of first time. Sometimes stuff. it feels blasphemous for sure. Well, um, at some point we got to do Witchfinder General because that's what oh, yeah, I. Hell yeah. No Vincent Price from, uh, and his performance in that is just like bone chilling. Well, I, that's what I was kind of getting to was I know him just by reputation. So mm. I knew him as like a very, you know, he's the creepy guy. He's, uh, he's the horror star, you know, but this, this movie, he did a really good leading man kind of thing. I yes. mean, he has horror elements for sure. Like, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. trying to get this experiment done. He's using people to do so, but he has a lot of charm in a lot of scenes, oh, and I yeah. didn't know that he kind of had that. I thought he was only the the evil guy, you know, the guy lurking beyond the shadows and that. <laughs> well, that's thing. definitely what he is in Witchfinder, but right. I, I I don't know because like because uh, he's he's in the original Fly as well, right? And House of Wax. I'm yeah, House of okay. Wax is is I maybe seen the um, original Fly. House of Wax is is fantastic, and, and a lot of people would maybe cite that as his kind of star making role. Although he had been around for a while before then, like quite a while. But mm. House of House of Wax was another film that debatably revolves around a gimmick, and in that case, it was 3D. But the film makes very overt use of 3D, so that would be kind. That was one I was considering pairing with this actually, but I mm. thought it'd be cool to do two different actors. Yeah, for sure. True. Well, this, this this movie definitely blew me away when we got to the LSD sequence. Uh, when oh they, hell yeah! When they when they put it on um, uh, the the wife because it's a horrifying sequence where she has mm-hmm. think that she's going to sleep and instead she has entered a, like a kind of nightmare reality. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. And, and, and what is odd and what makes sense now that you pointed out though is that you're right that the the Vincent Price sequence where he drugs himself. No, not anything really happens other than that his vision gets blurry. Yeah, and he, and he just kind of gets paranoid a little. He bit. gets a little paranoid, yeah. and you can you can, uh, by his dialogue you can tell he's seeing some things that aren't there. <laughs> yeah, like the idea that the windows are all nailed shut because yeah, they like aren't. the rooms closing or something um, like that. But this sequence gets like completely up to notch because there are these <laughs> horrifying creatures that just kind of like come out of of nowhere. There's like, like a, a creepy zombie mask, or yeah, uh, with like well, a face we don't know it's mask yet yeah <laughs> but there's there's this creepy like zombie creature comes out then there's like a werewolf arm with like an axe <laughs> yeah. and then there's this bathtub filled with yeah. just this bright red like gooey blood um, which was so cool because it's the have, black and white and film. the only color in the film is this just just like bright blood red it's it's so good yeah i loved that little aspect to it yeah and and actually it reminded me a little bit of what we were talking about in shock where the the house kind of like breaks down psychologically yeah and she's like moving from room to room and the 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 walls are changing and like the 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 way that the house is designed is almost changing and something similar almost starts you feel like it's happening here because she just she can't escape whatever's happening she's getting so terrified and like Um, we just saw this woman faint from a scent of blood so yeah, it's just a tub full it, of blood. Feels so now like she's a next in her level. comfortable yeah. home where it's like the one place it seems yeah. that this character feels safe. And now she's just experiencing the most horrific things she's ever experienced in that safe space. So oh yeah. And the tingler gets her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Very, very overtly. She tries to scream. She can't scream. The, the tingler shatters her spine and yep. she dies. 
uh, and Vincent Price uh, gets his experiment his, successful. <laughs> definitely gets his experiment. He pulls her behind a kind of curtain, the silhouetted curtain, which yeah. is a great image where he starts pulling the tingler off of her spine, and it's like two little arms at a time where it's like unlocking from her spine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just a really gross uh, image, as well as the tingler is. Again, because, again, it, it reminded me a little bit of Spider Baby in just that sense that, again, this is a sort of later period film mimicking a more classical theatrical style of film. Yeah. So, again, yeah. as soon as you see a prosthetic like that is as good as that tingler and is as creepy as that tingler. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden in a film that you feel like wouldn't have that. Yeah. Uh, it, it kind of blew me away a little bit when the the tingler ends up coming into the picture, and I've obviously especially they use it quite a bit. And I was surprised that they what they got away with. It's it's pretty well done. For well, the yeah, most part. and it's designed to be shocking too, because yeah. he, you know as much as he theoretically believed in the tingler, he's he like know. now it's a physical thing. And again, right. the way that it sort of makes fear it's like into a creature something, feature now. Yeah, exactly. Well, in the way that they talk about fear being made tangible um, in the in the tingler, it's something biological. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is where the film like really kind of transcended for me. Yeah. Um, it even escalates that, that thought of fear too. Cause now it's not just like this inner feeling that you're, you're thinking and, and you're just in a, a horrified state, but now you have to think about this physical centipede just connected to your spinal column. <laughs> and, and, and it's I just, fucking hate it's, centipedes. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's 10 times more horrifying now. <laughs> Just and, the fear itself. And it reanimates like her the her her spine briefly, like where yeah. she's behind the curtain, and then all of a sudden her body like kind of like sits up and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that sequence when she's being terrorized in the apartment while she's tripping out on acid, which she was under the impression was a sedative. That's actually a genuinely scary scene, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that sequence, it, it almost like sidelines you after the, the, uh, the tone that precedes it, that, that yeah. scene. Yeah. It's pretty freaky. Actually. Because it's very surreal. Like the whole movie's pretty like straightforward for the most part. It's well, just, here's yeah. an experiment. It's a doctor. He's trying to get this done. very he's subjective. Trigger- yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden it becomes this nowhere, crazy, yeah. almost a racer head, like <laughs> surreal moment uh, for five minutes. Totally and you're like, you. God damn. Like, yeah, it, it really, uh, surprises you. Yeah. And it, it yeah. kind of, it kind of unhinges the rest of the movie a little yeah, bit. Um, for sure. once they realize that they can actually see this thing, that kind it is establishes a that the rules are broken a little bit, what they've established in the first 45 minutes. It's kind of like, cause then from then you have more surreal sequences. You have the tingler being a physical creature, you know, so it, it just escalates from there. Yeah. Well, and then it gets particularly interesting when it's revealed, uh, as you kind of pointed out already, that the 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 creatures were yeah. were were masks, right. and that they were controlled by the silent film theater opener or owner and um, her, husband. Her, her husband. Yeah. Um, because I I guess he just he really wanted to kill her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Didn't he have a reason? I can't remember what he said. I thought he had like I mean it's not a good reason I'm sure, but I thought he mentioned to uh, Vincent Price that he had an actual reason for it. Do you guys remember it all? Yeah. Do you know Mike? <laughs> it's it's some insurance thing or other. I, I right. The the marriages in this movie are so dysfunctional. Like the, yeah, the yeah, domestic his, his scene wife, is just yeah. rife with like the most horrible. <laughs> Like the the dialogue is quite it's quite nasty actually it's yeah. great that's one of my favorite things about the film 
Yeah, the only it seems like the only real romance are the young people who still kind of have some hope. But like Vincent right. Price and his, uh, I think it's his wife. She's openly cheating on him. So, <laughs> yeah. and he doesn't even seem to care. He watches it happen. Like, and he's too obsessed with his work. He's right. neglecting her. And it seems right. And then, and then it uh, you know turns into this relationship. And the man literally killed her with fear. Like what an elaborate way to kill your wife, you know what I mean? Not well, just- and and, and I, I love I love this idea because again he he killed her by staging it, by staging right. fear, the same way that like William Castle is doing all of this staging. Yes. You almost feel yeah. like William Castle kind of identifies with the guy who put on the <laughs> elaborate show. Yeah, and then and then what's awesome is that the guy he's like, no, no, no I, I didn't kill her, right? Like I didn't stab her, you know? Yeah. like I like I didn't kill her. I yeah. just like caused her cool. to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like inciting a heart attack, you know? Yeah. It's not the same. <laughs> crazy yeah and there's kind of a whole back and forth where vincent price is like this has gone too far now like i'm gonna take you to the police and i'm gonna (laughs) do all this but now the tingler is like out in the world he's like unleashed it uh Mm. and you can see that he has so much regret uh, that his uh, obsession with uh this theory this theory of the tingler has actually brought about physical pain yeah uh and is going to unleash that pain uh in a actual in the silent movie theater where everyone's just watching this movie they're they're having a good time one guy's having a real bad date yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's just going for it. it's not happening she's like no i'm too into this movie man like come on I really want to see that how this a funny little sequence. Well, and what's awesome is that I think the movie is also about a girl who's like denying this guy's advances, but then everyone starts like chasing her around the room. Like multiple people are getting involved. Like she's watching a movie about what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> but then the tingler gets into the theater, starts squirming around doing its cute little flop that it does. It's a very good boy. Just adorable. Yeah. Adorable um, little killer. And this is where the film, if you were watching it in the 50s, would have got super uh, meta. <laughs> like, just what are we watching? Yeah. This yeah. had to be one of the the first. I mean, I'm kind of obsessed with that with this show is finding where some of these ideas formed mm. and this kind of breaking the fourth wall in such a way that he's crawling across the projector. You know, that's well, got to be one of and, the first. Yeah. And, and even before that, the Tingler grabs a girl's leg and makes her faint, I believe. Right. And what uh, William Castle did is he staged that in the movie theater where uh, after that happens to that girl, when the tingler gets into the projector and gets into the theater, mm-hmm. he had it staged so that a girl did that too. Like he hired actors to be oh, in the theater. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's it, cool. <laughs> so there would be a girl who'd be like, the tingler's on my leg. And then she fainted and they had the whole like ambulance set up and everything to like oh take her God. out. So he had like a full experience planned for anyone who saw this movie in a theater where when it cut to black, the tingler was going to be like taking people out in your theater and your seats were going to be like moving as if there was a tingler under it. Yeah. (laughs) Did it, it was William Castle one of the originators or was he like the only one to really do that? Uh, that I don't know. Mike. Yeah. Do you know, uh, for like meta early meta or even like the 4d, like Like, like interacting the audience to a physical point. Oh gosh, yeah, he he definitely took it to a new place in terms okay. of like that kind of carny sensibility. I feel yeah. like he maybe owes something to Todd Browning, who you mentioned earlier, freaks. Uh, Todd Browning had a carny background and kind of involved that in his narratives. But uh, okay, in, yeah, yeah. In terms of his his like persona as a filmmaker, as this kind of uh, showman, I think 
uh, castle did take it to a new place. I'd have to, to look cool. more into the history. But I mean, yeah, House of Wax as well, the way it used 3D probably in some ways uh, laid the foundation for this movie, but indirectly. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. That's my guess anyway. Yeah. Well, this was an absolutely crazy uh, watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I wish goes that I had been places. in a theater in the 1950s because that seems like it would have been one hell of an experience. I wanted, I wish we had recordings of people, paranormal activity style, of yeah. people like screaming and freaking yeah. out. We have to scream. We could die. <laughs> But I do think that the film uh, at this point gets really interesting with the, again, the, the sort of idea of that there is someone deliberately staging this. Yeah. That there is a sense of interaction, I guess, between people's brains and biology and a kind of almost like you're, you're uh, an image and then a more like a, a more tangible thing, which is kind of what happens is that Vincent Price kind of obsesses over this idea of a tingler until he realizes that that has actually produced the real physical tingler, which yeah. is horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and again, the way William Castle seems interested in this as sort of like these sort of mad men with great ideas, maybe, that get unleashed and have averse consequences. <laughs> um, it, it, it almost seems like William Castle predicted himself a little bit or was interested in these guys in that particular way. Like that's, that's where for me, the more thematic intrigue of the film came from of what, what Castle felt he need to tell in this story. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I like the idea of the physicalization of fear as well and, and manifesting that in the screenings with, uh, the the kind of instruments he would use to zap people in the ass, um, but also <laughs> <laughs> this idea of this like centipede like uh, manifestation of fear is so interesting to me. Um, and, and like corridors of blood, it's dealing with scientific inquiry, like research into the nature of fear as a as a kind of uh, focus for the film. That's fascinating. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we might enter the reductive rating round on this one. Uh, uh, for you, Mike, this is the part of the show where we remove all the words and all the nuance and not really kind of yeah, like we, final. We this, still kind of yeah, explain things. But. Yeah, we used to do that. But this is kind of like final final statements. If you've got kind of like an overarching point to make about the film, along with a possible rating for the film. But we understand everyone kind of has their own rating system. So yeah, whoever, we do one to five, but whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, for me, this was a pretty easy and pretty high four. Um, I had a really good, good time with the film. Um, I, th I think that castle, I mean, I have to investigate more castle cause I, I, I haven't, I've honestly, I haven't seen any castle other than this one. I've been yeah, wanting to for a long time. Oh, I've heard it's a good of, one to start with. I've heard of house on haunted Hill. Is that one as good? I don't like it as much, but it's mm. interesting to watch for um, that one has another kind of gimmick in it. And it's also stars Vincent Price. So if you dig this, it's definitely what's, worth what's a watch. the gimmick of that one. Yeah, Gosh, I can't remember. It has something to do with like ghost vision, like the ghosts <laughs> come toward your toward your I, I, I don't know exactly. Um, it's been a while since I've watched that one. Oh, that's interesting. Well, that's I'm awesome. going to have to yeah. check that out. But at, for as a first introduction to William Castle, I had only known William Castle through uh, Joe Dante talking about William Castle castle so yes. matinee which is a film that i love which is a film about william castle had me pretty uniquely prepared for mm, the yeah. fact that this was going to be a gimmicky showman again if you haven't seen matinee that's john goodman basically playing oh. william castle oh, okay in the it's film. on my list yeah um so I, I was pretty prepared for 
how this was going to be an audience interaction and an interaction between sort of like ideas and a more sort of physical oriented version of that. Again, the same way that how he wants an audience engaging with an image, but then also their own physical seats, (laughs) the same Mm -hmm. way that he kind of draws these connections. I knew that this was going to be on this film's mind and it didn't disappoint at all. Um, especially when the actual tingler gets involved here and the sort of tongue in cheek attitude. I thought that there was some really good jokes in this. My favorite personally is the really, uh, uh, I think the thing that ends up scaring her the most in that LSD sequence uh, is the bit where she sees her own death certificate and it says cause of death fright <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and again it's just it's it's a very tongue-in-cheek attitude that yeah. william castle has with this film but he doesn't do that by sacrificing any of the horror if anything he admits that yeah these guys are kind of doing this with a uh, uh a, a kind of bizarre charming attitude but mm-hmm. it's actually pretty goddamn scary what they uh, eventually unleash and it has very uh <laughs> adverse consequences on the people around them. Um, even, even if, you know, which is predicted early on by how much he neglects his wife, who is openly at the point where she's openly cheating on him by the beginning of the film. Yeah, they're, they're definitely, uh, not good for each other. <laughs> These guys don't care too much for the people around them. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and Vincent Price, I think kind of a little bit learns, learns a little bit of a lesson. This, <laughs> I think trying to be the idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for you, well, I, I would give it five out of five. I, I love uh, The Tingler. It's one of my favorite films. So, Damn. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it to anybody uh, interested in the genre. It's just such a unique movie. Even I, I like, even if nothing else sticks with you, just that sequence we were talking about with the, uh, the mute character going through the acid trip with a bathtub full of blood, like that image will stay with you forever, you know? So yeah. even just for that sequence alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to give it the the four. It's a strong four for me. Um, this first William Castle movie, first 50s horror movie. I oh, guess, shit. Technically. 50s in general? I think so. Damn. I mean, like I, I past the like 70s, I'm not very familiar with, honestly, right, for the well, most part. Well, we're going to start getting into more of it on the show then. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, what I loved about it, the, the breaking the fourth wall and the meta aspects of this film, I thought were really cool, and I didn't see that coming for such an early mm. movie. I uh, especially loved uh, Vincent Price's uh, line at the end, where he was saying, "It's like if you doubt this, then why don't the next time you're, you're scared, <laughs> just don't scream." Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those, you know, another tongue-in-cheek aspect of the film where it's yeah. like just speaking on its narrative, but then making you think about it even after the film is over, you know? So I thought that was really, yeah. Uh, and, and he loves smart. that. He loves that clever wordplay stuff too. He does yeah. that early on where he's the one Vincent Price is aligned about like, she didn't just die in fear. She died of, of fear. fear. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. I love the, the tongue in cheek moments. So yeah, I, I, I'm definitely going to watch some more of this guy cause uh, he seems funny in a horrifying way sometimes. So yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'm glad you guys liked it. Yeah. All right. Well, that will wrap it up for The Tingler. And I think we're going to be right back and we're going to be talking Corridors of Blood. Yeah. Corridors of Blood, starring Boris Karloff. Genius or madman? Better St. John, drawn into the deadly vortex. Finley Curry, who believed at first... Christopher Lee, the killer known as Resurrection Joe. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, my God, Sandy. 
don't know how he died. It's a favor for a favor, Doctor. You want your book? Hospitals want bodies. And you take shock after shock after shock. Don't hold in your terror. Shriek if you must. A Nerdorama Shocker. This picture is not for timid souls. All right, we are talking Corridors of Blood, the 1958 horror film, I guess. It's definitely... It's like a mix between horror and history. It's got a horror film title, absolutely, but it it was surprisingly uh, sort of dramatic and a little Mm -hmm. historical in ways that I didn't uh, necessarily anticipate because the horror of this film really uh, is just medicine in the 1840s. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of living in that time was horrible. So (laughs) yeah. And they're the, the, the main sort of premise of, uh, the film, which is directed by one Robert day and starring, um, a sort of late period of Boris Karloff, Mm. who we talked about obviously on the black cat and was, uh, you know, famous for playing Frankenstein and all kinds of, uh, iconic thirties through fifties horror characters. Uh, we're seeing here him at the at the end of the fifties in his old in his old age, and it is a very I think what this film has most to offer is uh, his, his performance, uh, and which is why I was surprised that kind of it, it was more about the uh, dramatic side of a man who is just horrified at the suffering he has to cause yeah. to help people right. because this is before he just wants to alleviate that pain. Yeah, this film takes place uh, in in a hospital before the invention of anesthesia, Mm -hmm. um, which is obviously the drug that uh, helps people not uh, feel pain while they are being sawed open or cut open or being amputated. Lord, or and uh, I mean, honestly, that kind of horror just kind of gets to me. Yeah, body horror is always like the scariest kind of horror for me. And uh, I don't know if you've watched it, but I've watched I haven't watched the whole thing yet. I've watched a couple episodes, though, of The Nick, which is Steven Soderbergh doing a similar time period. Um, And I I think he did the show, I want to say, two or three years ago. So the effects and stuff are really, really gross. And it is about Clive Owen, like performing surgeries in those kind of surgeries where they had like uh, like Coliseum stadiums almost where like people are watching and stuff. Yeah. And again, when you that stuff is like worse than like something like saw to me or like a torture-esque kind of movie because it's just like i don't know what it is about it it's just again this idea of you not having autonomy over your body is kind of like the main thing about it yeah and then again to not even be able to uh alleviate the pain of it which is obviously what haunts boris karloff's character uh in here whose name is i mean i can imagine that struggle it's just you know he he's it's the only way that he can help these people he's the trained surgeon he's very good at his job he's well respected but in order to to help these people, he needs to put them through absolute hell for like thirty minutes at a time. So well, there's and, that conflict, and there's a bunch of times too where he sees his patients who have been let out and they've been traumatized by the experience, right? Which so is it's almost like, did he help them? Yeah, you know, and then he then he feels a whole different type of way. So. Yeah, it's, it, he's living in a very complicated world. Yeah, like when, when, when he goes over to like the motel that's run by um, uh, what's the guy's what's the guy's name? Big Black Ben. Black Ben is what they call yeah. him. Uh, when and he goes there and he sees one of the guys that he's amputated, and the dude is just like he can't get a job. He's just stuck in this shitty motel, like rocking back and forth, like uh, still 
basically traumatized by the experience of having his arm cut off. Um, he's just like, man, they shouldn't, they shouldn't have let this guy out of the hospital. Like he's clearly not okay. Yeah. But he's just like, well, man, that's just, that's just how it works. Like you, you got rid of the thing that was going to kill him. He's fine. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what we do. This is healthcare. Again, this is a movie that seems interested in sort of like the psychological pain of physical pain. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there, there always used to be, at least that's what I hear. It's especially at this time period, you know, mental health was not something people gave a shit about or even understood you know so something that you know like a guy being traumatized by a surgery that ended up helping him physically (laughs) they'd just be like well you're okay so shut up you know that kind of thing yes and it's 1840s it's not it's not it seems like boris is a little more he's he's progressive he's the progressive you know he's like we should help these people not just physically but after we cut their arms off as well. You we should know? make sure that they can reintegrate into, <laughs> into society. society. Exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. Because because uh, one thing that they don't investigate a whole lot that I would have been actually very interested in is this idea that he couldn't get work. That he was just like, all of the guys, they go, they go, they use their limbs to work. Like, this is how this happens. Yeah. And he's just like, well, you know, so taking away like someone's every leg. every job then was labor, pretty yeah. much. Take, so, taking most, away someone's leg in at this time was a com- really devastating thing to do yeah, it basically took beyond, away your livelihood beyond the physical pain right. that he's causing them but i guess that's just that's the most like tangible way that he can perceive it yeah. is that i'm cutting into someone's leg and he's screaming at the top of his lungs <laughs> yeah and that's the kind of well, horror that, that this film is largely interested which uh based on the title actually was not what i expected yeah i expected more of like that mad doctor in a in a <laughs> laboratory you know experimenting on people or something like that no, now so he it, does have moments where he kind of has that same vincent price kind of thing going where he's kind of so focused on getting the solution that he starts to grab patients that aren't even you know that scene where the patient dies his first one right oh, before right, the right, committee right. meeting and so he's like okay just go into the waiting room and grab somebody else and then and then he goes to that person, knocks him out, and the guy goes on a complete and total rampage and oh, just yeah. starts knocking over everyone in sight, tackling people. Well, so this has a little bit to do... He gets blinded. Yeah, this has a little bit to do with what Mike brought up in that the the similarities between Vincent Price's uh, doctor and Boris Karloff's doctor yeah. here where they do get a little bit sort of obsessed with their experimentations and want to eventually experiment on themselves mm-hmm. uh, with all kinds of drugs, which are some really cool sequences in this film when he starts using the drugs on himself and gets addicted to them, yeah. uh, which kind of just turn into these uh, sort of crossfade montages of like this these bubbling drugs and his own sort of uh, like psychological hangups yeah. he keeps like re- the one guy that doubts him and uh you know yeah well and the the line keeps repeating over and over again like this like twisted song the the pain and the, the knife, knife are, are inseparable. inseparable yeah yeah exactly like, you'll never figure out the solution they will always be in pain yeah <laughs> but mike maybe you want to walk us through some of your thoughts on this one yeah there's there's so much to say about this film i it's interesting that you brought up um the, the obsessive nature of Karloff's doctor in relation to Vincent Price and the Tingler. I think it was quite deliberate to cast Karloff in this role because he had played a lot of those mad doctors in the 30s with films like The Invisible Ray, The Man Who Changed His Mind, The Man They Could Not Hang, two very similar titles. He was, he was often playing like these kind of doctors gone over the edge. And of course, as Frankenstein's monster, he, he's also playing a character who is the object of a doctor 
going over the edge or a scientist going over the edge rather. Um, I think another thing that's interesting about the film is that it's largely about the horror of addiction. So it kind of draws like this interesting parallel between monomania or obsession and addiction like this, this kind of all encompassing thing that takes over his mind. Um, So it becomes like both a body horror film and a mind horror film. It's, it's like, and addiction is also kind of like those, those um, sequences where he's ingesting gases are very physical as well. It's like the kind of um, physical process of becoming addicted. It takes time. And yeah, it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a really different movie tonally from the tingler. It's a lot darker, obviously. And a little, I guess, less uh, direct horror. The horror almost stems from like the real life aspect of it. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it's of, like a yeah, it's like a historical fiction melodrama more than anything. I'd say like yeah. it's yeah, no, it's it's not necessarily horror proper. But when you have Boris Karloff and Christopher Lee in the film and and a title like Corridors of Blood, it's like definitely <laughs> foregrounding the the nasty parts of it. Yeah, definitely. another weird thing about this movie, completely uh, uh, a little bit tangential is there's a Rob Zombie song that's all about this film from the album Hellbilly Deluxe, if anyone's interested in hearing it. I'll definitely um, look that up. It's awesome. Yeah. It's called The Ballad of Resurrection Joe and Rosa Whore, and all the lyrics are related to this film, so that's kind of cool. That's very cool. Now, Re- Re- <laughs> yeah. Resurrection Joe is Christopher Lee's character, right? Yeah, terrifying character. Holy shit. Yeah, Christopher Lee, who I guess, I, he this would have been shortly after he was doing Hammer Horror things, right? Right around the same time. It came out the same year as his first Dracula film. So. Oh, really? Well, because he would have yeah. done Frankenstein before that. Yes, that was 57, yeah. Okay. Which one does Christopher Lee play in this? Uh... He is the Black Ben's uh, sort of like really uh, sadistic henchman. Is it the Scarface guy? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, he was and, great, and and I mean, you would recognize Christopher Lee because he would go on to do all kinds of oh, definitely iconic. I actually didn't recognize him in the movie though. No, I, no, I didn't even know that was Christopher Lee until oh, now. Oh wow, he he was great in it. I, he was probably my favorite kind of that villain character. Like he was, uh, he he played it well. Yeah, well, and and it was funny because he would have just been coming off starting out the Hammer horror film, which we talked about briefly because we did with Scout Tafoya. We did, um, shit, what was the Vampire Hunter? Oh yeah, um, I can't remember. Oh no, Hold Captain Kronos, Captain Kronos, Vampire one. Hunter, one yeah. of the more underrated Hammer horror one. films, uh, and which, which again, we're trying to revive a kind of classical style of horror with these sort of some some new techniques, some more uh, yeah. bright bright colors and and blood specifically, mm-hmm. and it, it's interesting to see sort of. Karloff of the the classic horror interacting with the revival of uh, classic horror. So these two actors kind of interacting the same way that like uh, Lugosi and Karloff interact in the Black Cat. There's kind of like something yeah. happening there between these two stars. Um, and Christopher Lee really does. Itself. Yeah. And it does. He does steal most of the scenes that he's in. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. With uh, with with Black Ben, because there's a whole subplot to this where like the which I which I found really creepy, too, which was that the the motel owners are basically killing patrons uh, of of the motel so that they can what sounds like sell the body to the state. 
is mm-hmm. kind of what it sounds like. Yeah, I, I don't know so. why they get a reward for turning in dead bodies, but apparently that was a thing. Especially, it's like, are they not inspecting these? It's like, these. this hotel just keeps giving us bodies, and it's yeah. really working out. It's just Have like, did they not seen... know, like, they, they didn't uh, look into why these bodies <laughs> kept showing up? <laughs> Well, Sorry, have you guys seen the film uh, The Body Snatcher from 1945? No. No, I haven't. Th- that's a film about that specific phenomenon, uh, and it has Boris Karloff as well, and Bela Lugosi in a small walk-on part. So <laughs> oh, it's, interesting. Yeah, yeah, great film. Interesting. So it's directly that. bringing up that subject. But yeah, the, uh, yeah. the idea is that they, they basically murder these peoples in in the motel sell the body and they get it they but they need a doctor to sign off on it is the thing they need a doctor to say yes this person died from a natural cause or yes oh that's okay so that answers my question that i just uh yeah asked there yeah well because that's what happens is they they very convincingly lead uh boris karloff's doctor up into the room to be like man he's been feeling sick all day he's had all these problems and then they bring him up and they're like, oh, my God, he's dead. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> How could this have happened? And, and, and he's like, strange. There's no, like, hemorrhage or anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like he, it doesn't seem like he died from what you told me he had. Yeah. But, okay. Sure. I'll sign this, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that's what kind of gets uh, crazy about this film is he gets addicted to his drugs. And he gets addicted to his quest to... Uh, make these drugs he so just that keeps telling people he's like i'm almost there yeah I'm almost there I'm, I'm gonna get there but he gets very disrespected uh in the medical profession yeah um, there's a few failed experiments yeah they go seems. they go a little wrong and he's getting a little obsessed uh so that makes him have to turn to a life of crime yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> where where they're like hey look we'll we'll help you get all those like really obscure drugs you need to make your your gases if uh you sign this slip that says we did not definitely did not strangle this guy <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you want to help the people don't you <laughs> yeah and he's like signing deals with devils basically yeah he's he he he, he gets into that life of crime and he's pretty good he's yep. pretty good at it they they go into the dispensary and they he there's this great shot where he like pops out of the darkness. It reminded me of that bit in Halloween two where Michael comes out of like the pure void. Oh yeah, and it's almost like he fades in by walking in. Yeah. There's a similar shot here where um, Boris Karloff does that when they're basically pulling what seems like I guess it's a high sequence. There's like a high sequence in the middle of this movie. This movie was not at all what I expected. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> Uh, where they're stealing all the drugs from the hospital so that he can continue his experiments. Right. And this is where he witnesses the, the Scarface. This is what I just called him. I forgot his name. Scarface. Uh, Resurrection get, Joe. But why do they call him Resurrection Joe? Do you know, Mike? Why do they call him Resurrection Joe? I guess it's like an ironic title of some kind. I, I don't know. It's He's definitely not resurrecting people. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, he's killing people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quite the uh, opposite. He's putting them in the ground for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to think about like the way this film riffs on Karloff's like uh, persona as a star. And this director, the same year, did another film with Karloff called The Haunted Strangler, where Karloff is, you know, playing the monster, basically. And he's doing a lot of the kind of physical work that we associate with films like The Old Dark House or uh, The Ghoul, things like that, The Mummy. But in this film, it seems like he's really pulling from that pathos that he has in Frankenstein. Like, I, I, I find this performance so tragic. Um, mm. 
that was one of the things that struck me when I first watched the film is is you maybe expect him and and Christopher Lee to go head to head like Karloff and Lugosi and the Black Cat, for instance. But uh, Karloff's just so sad in this film. And yeah. like, yeah, his trajectory is 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 devastating, you know, because he's trying so hard to do something for the good. But then the forces of addiction and just the limitations of science take him down, which is that's scary. You know, yeah. it's, it's like <laughs> that's scary stuff. Absolutely. And we get kind of driven to this this big I mean, it's I guess it's sort of a big climax where the yeah. the they eventually when they steal the drugs and the gases uh, from the hospital, they alert uh, both other doctors and the police who start being like, yeah, there's a gang of criminals and there's a lot of bodies coming from this motel. Maybe we could like, <laughs> we should look into yeah, this. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe we could put two and two together and maybe go, go look into that. And there is this kind of like this, this crazy, like it's kind of a chase sequence, but like they infiltrate the, the motel and Boris Karloff is kind of all caught up in it. Um, and Boris Karloff is also like, I guess, dying both from old age, from sadness, from probably, uh, his drug addiction. Yeah. <laughs> probably all of these things combined have, uh, put him uh, maybe a little bit early into the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and meanwhile, the police are taking out, uh, all of the gangs, uh, of criminals in these pretty horrifying, uh, uh, acts, uh, I thought the one in particular where Black Ben like falls onto the spike. Oh, yeah, was, that was, was brutal. Was pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You could see this movie responding to the era of Hammer horror for sure, right? Like trying to up the ante in terms of physical horror and uh, kind of like more brazen sexuality, even or or even just the way it's addressing like drug addiction. Um, it seems like it, it's responding to this new form or this new uh, grammar for horror filmmaking that hammer kind of laid out mm, for sure yeah there's, there definitely seems like some more uh some subjects that you aren't used to seeing in these films being tackled uh and again yeah. we, we, we talked about how that kind of threw us off a little bit too in both spider baby and i think it was uh bava's black sunday i think also kind of yeah. threw us off where again you're looking at a a classical style that's going further in ways that they wouldn't have done in that style yeah. when they actually made those films other than the black cat, which went pretty far actually. Yeah. We were it shocked real violent. That. Yeah. Um, it's pre code. So they could get away with a lot. Yeah. That, Satanism and skinning and yeah, like that, that kind of <laughs> blew us away because when we weren't, we just weren't, we were kind of, I guess attributing that to more the sixties filmmakers who yeah. were taking inspired by these films. They're and, like, let's get violent. <laughs> and yeah. Like, and when you see Mario Bava, like put like a mask with spikes on it and have someone like hammer it into her face. And then the blood come out of the mask. Yeah. It dr- drip down. It's and, just And crazy. again, you're seeing it in this very classy theater style, black and white. <laughs> yeah. And you're kind of like, Oh, okay. I did not expect that to happen. And there's a little bit of that happening here. Yeah. Um, which is sort of interesting, but uh, I'm looking at my notes because I wasn't sure if there's anything else I wanted to bring up. Oh, I, I guess we should the, talk the, about the very f- end, which the, I thought was kind of heartwarming. Honestly, oh yeah, it was We're kind of like just because passes on the notebook. This guy, yeah, and it's it's because you watch this doctor go through all these struggles. At the end of the day, all he really wanted to do was try to figure this out so that people didn't feel pain during surgery. And yes, he goes way too far. Yes, he gets into some some dark, stupid shit and and whatever. But the initial, 
you know, the initial reason for it was at least good. And for to have the ending where he's gotten to the point where now he's stabbed, he's dying, and he realizes that... Oh, yeah, his, Christopher Lee stabs the shit out of him, right? Oh, That's yeah. What happens, oh, yeah. yeah. And now that he realizes his mistakes that he's, he's done leading up to this uh, has gotten him killed, he's now able to kind of realize that, maybe, some of his past mistakes, and then move it on uh, or give it to his son so that he can continue the the experiment and figure it out which he does so and then there's a memorial for him so it was almost like he didn't die in vain you know it was like at least what he wanted was accomplished eventually because of his uh you know initiation well yeah and then they have the line where it's like from the beginning of time man's destiny has been to suffer right uh, and it, it kind of mm-hmm. brings up this idea too where he's he's again horrified that he has to cause pain to you know sort of fix people or to make them better yeah. Um, and the same thing happens to him is he has to suffer to make the world better. Almost. It's kind of like this thing where he's just like all of this pain, uh, hopefully does something, you know, ha- has value of some kind. Yeah. Um, and the film and the film's ending does kind of affirm that for him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially cause we just know that this thing, a- a- anesthesia exists. Like we know it does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just- thank you, Boris Karloff for <laughs> yeah. making surgery. Pain free. <laughs> yeah, it's all you, man. Bagley. <laughs> uh, if uh, you've got nothing else to add, Mike, we might enter the reductive rating round on this one. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, Mike, we'll let you go first this time. We'll be gentlemen. Yeah. I mean, it's it's no surprise. I'll give it another five. This is one of my favorite films. Um, yeah, uh, and and for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's a very interesting movie to pair with. The uh, other film by Robert Day from 1958, also with Karloff, uh, called The Haunted Strangler. It's, again, very tonally different, uh, some visual similarities, but uh, it's 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 really cool to watch in contrast with Corridors of Blood. So definitely check that out if you haven't seen it. Cool. Sounds good. You? Uh, well, okay. Well, I'm not going to be giving it the five. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you're going to be a little disappointed with with my <laughs> with my rating here. But uh, right now I'm giving it a, a three. Now it is a strong three. And I think what happened with me is that I went into it with different expectations. Expecting a little bit more trash. Right. And so <laughs> and so when it became like a historical drama that I actually really enjoyed, I loved the story. I liked the, the ending. Uh, I thought it was actually pretty heartfelt. Um, it was sad to watch his character mm. go through this when all he wanted to do was just help people at the <laughs> end of the day. Um, so, so there is real horror in that. It's just, I guess I was expecting a more of a horror film. Right. So, it and kinda... so, yeah, so it just, it, it, I, I don't know. I think it might've been my expectations mm. a little bit. So I That's might fair. revisit it. It might go up. Um, but right now I, I'm going to give it the three. What I think it would have benefited from was oh, yeah. more of those kind of vision sequences, just a little more psychological stuff. Like, cause I really enjoyed that when he was experimenting on himself. Oh yeah. The, the, the images of like vision. the, the, the vials like boiling yeah. and then like images of the knife, like slicing into flesh. Yeah. And then the, the dude hypnotically being like the, the pain and the knife are inseparable and yeah, all this. It's great. Um, so I, to yeah, be honest, I'm not really sure what, what, it, what holds me back compared to like the tingler for instance. Mm. Um, but for now, just I'm, I'm going to give it the three. Yeah, it might have been my expectations uh, just with what I thought I was going into. I'm not sure. But I still really enjoyed it. And uh, I thought the story was pretty heartfelt for sure, such yeah. a horrific 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I I, I kind of lean lean towards the three a little bit too, but it was mostly just like uh, actually talking about the film more in retrospect. I've I think that I've convinced myself that I liked it more than I did I, watching it. I'm but, having that but, same. But thing. but I think I had that exact same experience basically, where I was like kind of. I don't know if the title just really made me expect yeah, a different was, kind of yeah. film. I don't know I was what expecting, happened there. I was expecting trap doors and, and but there was nothing <laughs> you know, bad about know. how it was different. Like I liked a lot of the stuff that it was uh, doing in, in particular. And I, yeah. I, I definitely think I'm going to move up to the four on a rewatch. Cause it was like, that's what I'm thinking too. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, I like to do it. You know, I like to actually watch it again and know mm-hmm. that it's that, that, that rating. So, mm-hmm. but I, again, just the, uh, what Mike mentioned, especially that was a bit revealing for me and I'm hopefully is going to shade my rewatch a little bit was <laughs> just how much this is interested in tying together his obsessive quest with his drug addiction yeah. as an addiction. Absolutely. Uh, for some reason, my brain did says, not put those two together while I was watching it, but that's absolutely what this film is doing. <laughs> even has a great piece of dialogue where he says it's the craving of another innovation. So it's like the, his he's almost he's almost getting him his addiction confused with his wanting to help with his work, and innovate like with, yeah. his, with his passion which is I thought a great line yeah, to show kind of where his head is. I think you know? if I watch the film again the thing, with that yeah. in mind things are swarming back to me now it's almost like yeah I think on the rewatch it'll get higher cuz other than that like I I absolutely liked uh you know, uh, the, the 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 medical sequence in particular where he's fucking up the surgery oh, yeah. really got under my skin because we didn't mention that one at all. But like when when he's like he's like lost sleep and he's like going crazy and they're just like, dude, you don't have to do the surgery today. Like, yeah, uh, like we'll get someone else to do it, man. He's like, I got it. It's cool, man. Yeah. And he starts cutting into the the body and oh, his oh, need God. for helping people almost starts just hurting it, people. hurting. Yeah, yeah, hurting people. So again, uh, it's it, interesting. It, it is similar to Vincent Price's kind of arc that he he gets in 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 the Tingler, which is that he's he he has a passion that is more theoretical and in ideas and in, uh, but he. Uh, he doesn't see kind of like it's physical consequences and then yeah, he gets yeah. exposed to the physical consequences and he's horrified. Hmm. And you know, uh, what's interesting is that we, uh, the prime drama is actually after this character, Boris Karloff is horrified and that he's right. trying to reckon with that and trying to fix it and how he ends up in a lot of ways causing his own suffering and pain in order to do it. Yeah. But again, that ending, you know, yeah, we got there. We got yeah, we got there. It, even it, though it took, it took a, lot a lot of corpses <laughs> yeah. and a lot of screaming, but eventually, but painless surgery. We got the pain reliever. Was the thing very good? All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for uh, corridors of blood as well as the Tingler. Mike, thanks so much for coming on and joining us and bringing these films with you. Yeah, these were cool. Very uh, cool. Yeah, uh, I really different for me, especially. I mean, this is the first. 50s for me. This so. is exactly what we invite people on the show to do to us to expose us to things yeah. we might not have otherwise exactly. gotten into. And we're, we're hoping over the course of the show, we're just going to do all of them. Yeah. Maybe not an achievable goal, but we'll see. <laughs> but God we're, damn it. We're, we're, we're going to try. We're, we're putting the dents in. <laughs> yeah. But Mike, this is awesome. the part of the show. Uh, if you've got anything to plug, you can do it right here. Oh, anything to plug. Uh, I guess you brought up my book in the intro. That's um, every once in a while I see you share some people's reviews who seem to really dig that book I haven't read it nice. myself personally but I'm curious what's the book called again? 
It's called Darkest Hours. I haven't shared the negative reviews, but they're out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't, you uh, don't got to do that. <laughs> it's a collection of, uh, of horror stories. Um, half of them were previously published before the book was released, and half of them are only available in that collection. So Okay. Uh, and they're all, yeah, are I they guess. like all original works? From yeah, you? they're all yeah, they're all cool. stories I wrote. Um, all right, so what's 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 some stuff that inspired your horror stories? Yeah, was there any movies that maybe? <laughs> oh God, yeah, movies for sure. Like largely, it was probably um, Academia. Like I wrote most of it when I was uh, doing my master's degree and shortly beforehand. Okay, so it's like um, a lot of stories that deal with like my obsession with horror movies, metal music, uh, my anxiety. That's- my fear of academia, imposter syndrome, uh, <laughs> lots of drugs in the book for some reason, um, all the good stuff. Nice. That nice. sounds awesome. Sounds great. Well, yeah. There's so- a man in it addicted to eating hair, similar to the way, um, I don't know, Vincent Price is addicted <laughs> to finding the solution to what causes fear. Yeah. Would so- you Would you say, do they range pretty, like, are you like a grotesque? kind of writer like what what is your horror element or do you like to go kind of all over the place i've heard a lot of people say that the story is very diverse in its style and i say okay uh, I, yeah, I, I kind of write all over the it's map. It's kind of hard yeah. to review your own writing, right? For sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't I know think if I'm all over the map. Okay, cool. That sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, I think we're definitely going to have Mike uh, back on in the future because he revealed to me when we were kind of corresponding back and forth that he wrote his master's. Uh, did you say it was you, you wrote your thesis on Prince of Darkness? Oh, that's, that's awesome. right. Yeah. Uh, and Prince we of Darkness. That one yet. No, we haven't done it yeah. yet. And we have been doing Carpenter because yeah. eventually I do want We've done a couple Carpenters specifically because I want to get to Prince of Darkness. I just yeah. wanted to do some of his more well-known stuff first before sure. we dove into it. But I'm going to make the argument that Prince of Darkness is one of the best horror movies of all time. Sweet. <laughs> so, uh, Sweet. It sounds like Mike agrees with that if he wrote an entire master's degree thesis on it. So yeah. we might uh, have, have, to have you when we're that doing one. that. Hell yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> all right. Well, in one week's time, everybody, uh, we're going to have a f- uh, paid episode. Yes. Uh, patrons, you patrons. guys you guys are going to get uh, a new episode. And we're going back for the second or third time. We're going back to the Outback. Oh, yeah. Uh, We're going back to the good old Australia. Australia. Uh, And we're going to be talking uh, 1971 Wake in Fright by Ted Kotcheff. Oh, yeah. um, Which is an absolutely uh, bonkers descent into a purgatory state of absolute mania and hysteria and dead kangaroos. Yeah, one particular scene with the kangaroos is pretty brutal to watch. Uh, And we're going to be pairing it with Mad Dog Morgan, uh, which is a 1976 film starring Dennis Hopper, um, directed, I think, by Philippe Roma. Watch a man grow the best beard in the game. Yeah, and it's about (laughs) Dan Morgan, a Irish outlaw who was hunted in Australia in the 1850s. So actually a similar time period to Corridors of Blood, believe it or not, which is funny because I would not have associated, uh, I guess there's too much outside, the, let's just say Mad Dog Morgan is a Western, Corridors of Blood, very much not a Western. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Despite similar time periods. 
Um, but these films were patron recommendations. Uh, Wake and Fright was, uh, I believe, recommended by Caleb Cunningham. I think I accidentally on the last show said it was recommended by our Australian patrons. Because yeah, we, we do have assumed. a couple of them. We just assumed Australians would recommend us Australian movies, but they didn't. Caleb Cunningham recommended us to watch Wake and Fright, and he didn't know what to pair it with. But Bob Big said Mad Dog Morgan's the way to go. So yeah. both of you guys are responsible for this episode. Uh, and uh, it's a pretty good episode. Yeah. So you guys fun. can expect that in one week's time but in two weeks time we'll be back with another special guest and we're going to be talking sort of uh underrated stalker slasher films we're going to be talking crimes of passion which is a film i haven't seen me neither uh that's not surprising (laughs) no and we're also going to be talking uh olivia or also known as prosy uh, which I have no idea is why that it's a gone. different country. Uh, just because when usually when there's an AKA, it seems like it's from like it's an Italian film <laughs> or something like that. Do you know what? It's very possible. But again, I'm so lazy when it comes to the research <laughs> that I just I don't I just don't do it. Fair uh, oh wait, it says Germany. Oh, but also USA. Hard to say. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Either way, only two people that I follow on Letterboxd have even seen Olivia. So we're going obscure. With it that se- one. it seems cool. a little obscure. Let's see how many people have That's actually. Fun. Uh, 137 people have on letterbox have said they've watched it that's i think the lowest we've done except for widow blue yeah and that the, must and, be the lowest and the poster for this movie says mad night which is not a title that came up when i researched <laughs> yeah it. well fair enough either way <laughs> that's what we're adventure. gonna we're going real uh trash slasher in two weeks time for free listeners again on itunes soundcloud stitcher whatever yeah. the google one is called wherever you're listening <laughs> yeah. we're out there um, and I think that will wrap it up for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy. <laughs>